Welcome. Now, my name is D. Ludlow. Now, before we get into this episode, go to the description, click the link and get your M&A Mastery Toolkit. This is a free download, which gives you some of the tools and resources that you need to start your M&A journey. Don't forget, go to the description, click the link. It's a free download and enjoy the episode. For the, with regards to the centralized exchanges, I mean, it's everything is built on trust. As you said, with the, the UK banks, we put our money in the banks because we trust the banks not to uh, not to go into you know uh, liquidation, which unfortunately, as you get scenarios like 2008, mm. where people realize that these banks are just companies. Mm. So, you know, don't get me wrong, they'll potentially get a government bailout, as yeah, they always yeah. do. Um, but, you know, there's, there's, there is always that risk. Um, but, you know, that's that's part and parcel, really, of, I think, both finance and just both life, to be honest with you. Yeah, I think, well, the the sort of growth that we've, well, the global economy has really had, especially UK, US, um, over the past, well, since the 70s, really, when the home mortgages really started to come mm. in um, and all the sort of, well, once we got taken off the gold standard and the sort of mm. derivative market went crazy. And I think even in 2008, it was like one quadrillion. And to even try and fathom what that number, that number is, is insane. So I don't really know where it is today, but but we're sort of addicted to that to that growth and we're addicted to QE, the, the current global economy. So where do you really see, you know, I think even the 75 basis point um, rate hike, I think that's been the biggest since 1984, right? So wh mm. what do you see from the macro side of stuff, global economy over the next eight, 18 to 24 months? I mean, again, today's inflation figure, obviously, or CPI was 9.1. That's the highest since uh, 1981. Yeah, I was minus 13 in, in 1981. So, <laughs> you know, I've, I've never known yeah. an era like like we're about to see. Um, obviously, I'm, I'm, I'm quite a keen um, uh, political historian, should we say, um, which obviously then ties into um, monetary policies and things like that. Um, I think... What we're going to see over the next 18 to 24 months <clears throat> i think the main thing to remember is um is that they never really or well, they didn't really raise rates effectively into a cpi hit seven percent mm. that's a long that's a long way off the fed is so far behind the curve mm. as is every central bank to be perfectly honest yeah that a 75 uh, basis point rate hike today one next month another three this year for example it's probably it could possibly not be enough to to really get inflation under control. And I, you know, I, I you know I think Dylan said, I think on one of your podcasts um, recently, not well, recently, maybe in uh, March, mm. um, you know, it'd be difficult to see Fed funds rate get to two percent. Yeah, I think it's more likely to get to four, five. Mm. But again, if you're talking from here and now in 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 history, rates are relatively low in comparison to oh, history very low um yeah. so you know i think over the next uh 18 to 24 months i think what a, a lot of people are going to see is that being early in something whether it even be you know if you're a long long time investor you've been alive since the 70s and 80s mm. um you know and you've been buying equities and buying gold and even buying crypto of recent being early doesn't make you a genius you know and especially in an era where money was cheap and credit was cheap um but again i think one thing i always sort of link it back to and a big idol of mine, obviously, being Ray Dalio, number one, mm. obviously the um, mm. hedge fund manager at Bridgewater. Um, we're coming into it. And one thing I mean, I don't think he talks about, actually, because I know he talks about the, the monetary cycle, the political cycle, but maybe not even the social cycle of what people value. Um, that's going to change, I think. Mm. Um, but over the next 18 to 24 months, I think there's no absolutely no reason why we see a pretty suppressed 
crypto asset pricing. Um, that tied into the fact that they started to tighten monetary policy as we were coming into a global slowdown. Um, that was always going to be catastrophic um, and it's not going to stop. Mm. Um, they will keep raising rates. And like I said, inflation, I mean, the call about it being infl uh, transitory inflation last year was the worst monetary policy call in history. Let's just get that out there. Quite hilarious. Uh, you know, it's it's scandalous to be fair. Um, you know, I think it's it's going to be a period of time where, you know, very similar to even pre the 80s and like I said, the 1970s potentially. And I think what people don't quite realise, obviously I don't think this will happen now, but for example, if you see a big um, stock market crash, for example, like it did in 29, it took two, three decades to get back to that 29 level, that like 1929 high. I don't think that will happen now. I personally think that the Fed will keep raising rates until they break something. And as soon as they break something, they'll lower rates. And as soon as they get rates back to zero, they'll restart a QE of some sort, whether that be in 2023, 2024. Um, you know, I think a lot of a lot of analysts and, and economists expect that. Um, and I know a lot of people have now been saying, oh, it falls in line with the next halving and the next presidential election. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But again, but it's, you know, that's a, that's that's fitting your own narrative to a certain degree. Yeah. But, um, you know, I think that's the main that's the main point what people need to remember is that as inflation stays where it is and if not higher as they keep raising rates they have to do more to try and tackle inflation which they're not doing with a 75 basis point um hike um whether they do 100 or not is no they've given no forward guidance as they did yeah. it with the 75 bit pipe um but it's going to be a, a particularly difficult time for the next 18 to 24 months i think in, in global markets and i don't think that's helped with china's zero covid policy no. number one um, and obviously the fact there's a, wage, uh, a raging war in, in Europe at the moment, which is not not being nothing, well, I would say not enough being done, but there's not a lot really we can do to a certain degree unless you put mm. troops on the ground. And if yeah. you put troops on the ground, you're having a full-scale war. Um, so, yeah, it'll be, it'll, be, it'll be a really difficult period, really. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward into October this year because um, there could be serious problems across the world, both from a, an energy crisis perspective and geopolitically, actually, yeah. geopolitically, but also from a from a food perspective as well. And yeah. um, there'll be a uh, there'll be you know there will be if it carries on the way it carries on, there will be a famine in in Africa um, based on you know grain not coming out of of Ukraine and things like that. It's the biggest exporter of mm. of grain in uh, into Africa, in, you know, in Europe in the world, um, and based on its natural resources as well, um, and that will actually probably continue having downward pressure on the euro, um, which is obviously now at parity on the dollar. Yeah, so there's a few things there. So, sorry, also, yeah. the, no, so also, obviously, Uganda's just stumbled across well, basically all the gold <laughs> yeah. and, you know, potentially doubled the world's gold supply in, in one discovery. Of course, it's yes. on the ground. Sure. Um, but so... America's entered the chat. Yeah, yeah. I did <laughs> see that they've hired uh, a, a, someone from a Chinese company, though, to help them extract it from the ground. So that'd be interesting. And they, China have a huge influence down there already. So it'd be mm. interesting to see um, where well, that goes. Really. I think, it, you know... <sighs> but America, 100%. We'll see those. Age-old thing, though. I mean, I mean yeah, if, you, if, you, if anyone who does follow um, Chinese politics closely, you know, the time it takes, for example, if we were to go into Africa, for example, mm. China, you know, by the time we've done the T's and C's and got, China have already built two airports. Yeah. You know, so, you know, if they look at it from that perspective that, you know, they get things done. Mm. So why would we use you when you're obviously more costly mm. 
you know, and when they could do it for a cheaper price and get in and get it done. And like I said, for this example, get the gold out of the ground, for example. Um, but again, that's gold's old age problem as well, is that? But do they want to get it out quick? Because if because now Uganda's now stumbled across this sort of um, treasure, mm. the quicker they get out the ground means p- pure supply and demand. Yeah. You you don't you want to probably try and take your time with it to to keep gold with the the price of gold. Is Uganda's in the interest to have the price of gold higher? So do they want to pull all this out as quick as they can? It's not going to be quick anyway. But and then all of a sudden, gold's double the double the amount of gold in the world. So mm. it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Um, but also be interesting on how you know at what level can the Fed raise the rate until things become insolvent? Because you said until something breaks, but there's a difference in breaking something and, and making and, and seeing how far you can take it till something becomes insolvent. And mm-hmm. but one Jay Powell's already said a few things. He said that they would be open to another global reserve currency of some sort because it's so so he's, he's, I think he they kind of know where the world is kind of heading and people moving away from the dollar. Dollar denominated debt isn't looking as attractive as it used to be. No. You got um and even Jamie Dimon said, look, we don't know the outcome of what, what's going to come here because it's never happened before. So it will be interesting to actually see how this actually plays out. Yeah, I think um, one thing I think really fell under the radar, and just to touch upon when I talk about something breaking, we talk about the credit markets here. Mm. Um, you know, once those, you know, because the, the major thing to remember is that where they've been, you know, printing money, you know, they don't, don't literally print the money. Yeah, they do it. On this sure, yeah, <laughs> for sure. Um, you know, or they, you know, they purchase bonds, T-bills, yeah. mortgage-backed securities. They're the only buyers, and the, they have really been the only buyers of that market for a while. So when the Fed goes from being the only buyer of that market to then the only seller of that market, no one it's nothing. Yeah. So that, that's the biggest problem it has. Um, touching upon China, I think one thing that started really, or wasn't necessarily recently, it was probably the last three months, um, but obviously Saudi Arabia accepting one instead of of yeah. US dollars for for, mm-hmm. for oil uh, imports and exports. That's you know the dollar's the dollar's power resides from its from its dominance in the in the energy markets, yeah. of which now people are now more willing to accept another currency over the dollar. Um, you know, dollar's trading at about one hundred eight at the moment. DXY it will probably go to one twenty, one thirty. Um, and that will that will obviously then devalue the, the euro and the, and the sterling even further upon that. Touching upon, you know, they're the you know they're open for a, for another currency. Um, you're probably going down the rabbit hole of central bank digital currencies there um, and, yeah. and things like that. But I think the world is so far away still from a, on a technology basis. Oh, definitely. From that being a reality. I think the demise of the dollar has already started and yeah. it started a while ago. Um, but it's just a case of making sure that, you know, you try and position yourself appropriately. And Yeah, I think with the CBDCs, and I, I do feel that the, the sort of, I don't think personally there'll be another global reserve currency. Mm. I do feel like we're probably going to see like a, a multi-reserve currency Kind of like the SDR, but something structured slightly different. But like you said on the technology behind CBDCs, I was actually listening to a podcast about um, about the sort of the distributed ledger technology, DLT, mm. and saying that Boston MIT uh, run out the pilot program for the Fed FedCoin, and they're not using a blockchain-based CBDC. They because you can use blockchain or mm. non-blockchain. Um, they they've apparently 
lean towards using the non-blockchain based CBDC. And I was thinking, why would they do that? And the only thing I can think of is if it's blockchain based, then it's, it's completely open source, you can yep. see. If it's non-blockchain based, you can tamper with the master spreadsheet, kind of like what they do now. So I'm not sure like where it's gonna go, but that, that was strange to me that we're moving into sort of a very blockchain based overall system. I'm not just talking mm. about payments, but everything. And to, for them to opt out of a blockchain base to start with, and I, I don't know, I thought that was kind of crazy. Yeah, and it all goes under the radar. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which is the most important thing for them. Um, <laughs> one thing I think the world needs to wake up to is that, the t you know, obviously in the war in Ukraine, obviously the the Russians obviously pegged the ruble to gold again. Yeah. And then obviously if now other countries are accepting wine for oil instead of dollars, the two countries probably with the most history with the US, for example, Russia with the Cold War and obviously the, the trade war tensions in, in US and China, the two competing currencies at the moment against the dollar are now backed by commodities. Mm. The dollar is obviously then backed by, you know, thin air to a certain degree, yeah. um, other than the confidence in the dollar. Um, I've said for a number of years to obviously investors and friends, the thing, there's, two, there's three things that can really cause the demise of a US dollar. That being um, a loss of faith in the government, which mm. going into the next election, it's very likely that will happen. Yeah. Um, obviously, I know a lot of people are talking about there not being an acceptance of the, of the result. Um, which is very high, highly likely. Um, it's a loss of confidence in the actual US dollar, or it's a loss of confidence in the military. Um, it won't be the third one because no. it's very patriotic to be in the yeah. military in the US, um, and it's a you know it's a decent career path out there. Um, but again, it only really needs two of those three to fall for it to be um, it, to lose its real status as the world reserve currency. Um, yeah, I definitely feel that. From the political side, even with you know Sleepy Joe now, I do feel that you know it's got people have kind of losing faith there. You know, n like you know, not no mm. direct offence. Not that he's going to listen, but mm. you find it hard to string string a sentence together. Uh, so mm. you know, that's the one side of things, and then the the confidence in the actual U.S. dollar. So they've been very good at defending the petrodollar up to recently. Mm. Very good. Um, any tensions that have ever happened in the Middle East, they've, they're have they there, right? It's very different this time. Like you just mm. said, anytime anyone's tried to sell barrels of oil and anything other than US dollars, they're first there. That's changed. I, I feel that they're, they, they haven't been the same, and I don't know why. Well, they haven't, they have no military presence really in the Middle East anymore, obviously from yeah. the pull-up then they pulled out of Afghanistan. Exactly. Um, yeah. Because again, I mean, to be honest, linking back to what you said about that, if China decides to invade Taiwan tomorrow, what are we going to do? Yes. Nothing. Like, uh, off the top of my head, the nearest US military base is Guam, and that's three or four days sailing away from Taiwan. So they've been trying, they've been arguing for years over this island in yeah. the South China Sea by the yes. Philippines, over China putting a military base there, and the US having issues with it. <laughs> Obviously, because of the, the whole thing with Taiwan. But so, yeah, to be fair, I feel that, you know, China and Russia are two sort of powerhouses that they don't really listen too much. They don't, yeah, to, they don't to need America. to. And, yeah. <laughs> so, and when you look at like what China's done over the past 40, 50 years is insane um, in regards to like growth. And I'm not sure, I mentioned it to Dylan the other day, but I'm not sure if you hear of the Belt Road Initiative. Um, it's, it's like a, a railroads, fiber optic cables, um, shipping routes um, in, uh, you know, all around Asia, Africa, the whole world. And they now China's gone from 
The states having the most trade partners like 20 years ago or 30 years ago, China's now got more trade partners than anyone. And now they're building this BLT, uh, the B, uh, sorry, BRI. It, it's, it's crazy. And they're kind of, I'm not sure if you read the book, um, Economic Hitman, but in the book, it shows you how like America and what they've done to countries. And mm. China, f- it feels like they're doing the same. So they give Sri Lanka $1.5 billion mm. to build this deep water port, a part of this um, BRI. They couldn't afford to pay them back. And now they've got a 99 year lease to control the port. And they've done it in Kazakhstan, Pakistan. So they, they, they're kind of taking that global power, whether people like it or not. Yeah, China has its own internal problems as well. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah main one being obviously the housing market over there obviously it's seen the biggest boom out of any housing market yeah. in, in history yeah um but again i think yeah you're right i mean f- doing what's similar to what america did for a number of for a number of decades it, you're, you're spot on but um you know i think what we are immune to maybe in potentially or maybe i'll just use the demographic of the western world mm. Um, is that we don't live life in any way, shape, or form really from a social perspective similar to what yeah. they do. Yeah. You know, um, especially in Russia. Yeah. I know, I've, you know, if you look at you know the Putin's acceptance rate, whether that be you know distorted or not, which I assume it would be, yeah. um, it's it's re- still remains relatively high um, because you know if you look at the actual history of that region, it goes back thousands of years. Yeah. So they think that we, especially in the UK and the US, if we think we generally understand what is actually going on from a historical point of view in the Crimea, mm. Balkans, uh, uh, and obviously in, in Russia itself, you know, you'd be pretty ignorant to think you could solve it by putting troops on the ground there at the moment. Um, but yeah, I mean, China is, um, I can't remember where I, I saw this fact. Um, but again, I think if you look at its, obviously US treasury holdings or its debt holdings, and you look at obviously then on top of that, if you look at, um, like you said, the military interventions they're now putting in place to have an invasion of Taiwan, which I'll, I'll probably go on record and say this, I'm 50 to 60% sure that will happen. Yeah. Um, in what time horizon? Before Xi Jinping yeah. dies. Um, it's his legacy. He's said a number of times that it's his legacy. Yeah. Um, and I think the problem is, is the same with Putin is that maybe it's men of a certain age. I don't mean to sort of, you know, parpy with the same brush, but, you know, people look for legacy yeah um and when a country genuinely believes that that country should belong to us or those people belong to us because it's very complicated especially with the separatist states where they identify themselves as being russian citizens they have russian passports Mm -hmm. um and you know it's it's very very difficult to um to to say what's right and what's wrong i mean don't get me wrong starting a war is not right um but again if we believe in the west that we can really effectively impact um, with sanctions, I mean, we've seen what the sanctions have done to Russia. It's nearly nothing. The ruble's at its strongest level for a number of years. Um, and like I said, with China, I mean, if you want to sanction China, the hit on the global economy will be so catastrophic that there's a, you know, you, it would take decades to get out of that. Yeah. Um, which again, as a fund manager, you sort of got to be aware of these eventualities, but also have the balance to look at the here and now and what's mm. available to you. Um, but again, I think that's that's obviously my mentality towards all of that. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and I, I've seen one of your previous um, articles that went out to the investors, and I know it's confidential, but this is something that um, I think you speak open about. Sure. Was, was the, the the super cycle? Um, yeah. Potential super cycle. Yeah, sure. Do, do you, I understand it's, it's going to be delayed now, but do you feel that we will have a Bitcoin super cycle? And just before you answer, the reason why, <laughs> if 
over the next, say, 18 to 24 months, you know, macro side of stuff doesn't look great. Um, probably heavy accumulation from funds, banks, etc. Um, and, you know, even if you look at like what Luna was doing, they was basically buying more Bitcoin than was being mined at one point, right, to, to back the USD with. Now, if that continues to happen from an institutional level in from TradFi, um, and we do come to the next Bitcoin halving, you know, miners are going to be more incentivized, apart from selling Bitcoin to run their operation to hold on to Bitcoin. So the supply of Bitcoin isn't going to be where it was. So um, if that is the case, of course, supply and demand price should go crazy. However, do you feel there could be an, a possibility of because of the amount of accumulation before that happens and a lot of the regulation that's going to come in and all the bad media that people seem to follow mm. quite a lot, um, that we could have a delayed cycle, but then when the cycle goes, so not as traditional, halving happens, X amount of time after we should see some positive price action. Do you feel we could be delayed and then go and then be a super cycle? Or yeah, how do you feel the next cycle is going to play out? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, Unfortunately, I have to give you an ambiguous answer. Okay. But I mean, from you know, from my perspective, um, when you talk about super cycle, it's something I sort of half mentioned to to, um, mm. to the team uh, every now and again. I have sort of hit at home is that when people talk about it, it's sort of not maybe laugh, but it was sort of it scratched my head a little bit last cycle because you know you see sort of very distinguished people in the industry sort of talk about the institutions being here, yada yada yada. It's like this market is at the top; it's worth three trillion dollars, mm. smaller than J.P. Morgan. Yeah, like there's no institutions really involved. Like there's funds like mine, um, and considered bigger ones mm. such as Pantera's and things like that. Um, and obviously there are, especially U.S. investment banks, being very open to um, placing trades like Goldman, for example, and being involved in the space. Um, but when it comes to a super cycle, you know, I I, I thought about this, you know recently uh, you have to correct me if i'm wrong but again the last bitcoin is due to be mined in 2140 ish yeah yeah you know there's going to be there's going to be a supply of bitcoin until 2140 yeah so if you talk about a super cycle there's an argument that the cycle or the super cycle won't happen until the last bitcoin's mined there's an argument for that yeah in the meantime in the next four or the next two three cycles because you are right there is going to be a lot of bitcoin taken off and and just held in either treasury balance sheets or whatever it could cause essentially there's not enough Bitcoin to go around to, to force the price to be sold down. Mm. But that again is after is you have to play that by ear as an investor, um, and you have to be aware of realistically the the global ec uh, macroeconomic perspective of it. Um, because again, I think as I, I've said a few times, I mean the, with global slowdown, probably raging inflation for a sustained period of time now. Um, I don't think you're going to get a super cycle mm. next cycle or the cycle after that. Um, but again, I think there will become a time, um, so, you know, without being too morbid, maybe we might not be here, but th they, that, that there will be a, there will be a period of time where, you know, there will never be another Bitcoin mined. So one Bitcoin is going to be worth, but that's, that's the, then the age old problem is, is it worth a dollar? But, you know, we're talking in 120 years from now. So yeah. is a dollar still going to be here 120 years from now? Current political climate says probably no. no. Um, so yeah, it's it's, it's an age-old problem. With but with regards to just you know, if you're a retail investor and you're thinking, okay, you know, if I'm talking from about a super cycle perspective, so you know, in two cycles time we could be trading again arbitrary figure. All right, hundred yeah. k. Okay, yeah. arbitrary figure. Um, you know, what is then the volatility percentage 
from 100K up and down. Mm. What constitutes a super cycle for that? Yeah. Is it a traditional bear market, traditional bull market of plus 20% either side? Mm. Or is it more or less within what you could assume G7, G7 FX country fluctuations and things like that? It, or is it based upon, you know, how much US Treasury market would move, for example? It, it's, it's an age-old question, really, at this point of when a super cycle will, will happen or if it could happen. But for me, and I'm, again, my background is obviously in commodities. If you talk about supply and demand, you know, if the supply is being sucked up and there is huge demand, aka crypto has been integrated into everyday life, mm. the demand is exponential. And the supply being short, if you're valuing it in dollars, there should be a consistent upside upside movement. But it's the biggest problem at the moment is how you regulate that. Yeah. Because, again, I think, I, I, again, I, if I, <laughs> you probably know better than anyone being uh, particularly from a sort of social media background, they can't regulate Facebook or WhatsApp or, 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 Meta, or Meta as it is now, sorry, uh, or, or anything like that. They can't regulate big tech. How on earth are they going to regulate crypto? And then so quick. And then <laughs> and then Metaverse. How are you going to regulate? Yeah. It's you know it's a it's a it's a problem they're going to consistently have. But um, for me, I think again you can't really regulate necessarily no. the assets themselves, but you can regulate centralized exchanges. You can regulate. Yeah. Um, which would make sense funds for example yeah exactly yeah. Um, because investors as we've seen with Luna and Celsius investors need protection yeah because with all due respect there's a lot of investors out there especially newer investors maybe potentially young maybe speaking to you the younger audience here is that you made a lot of money trading an asset which you didn't know very much about mm. which was going up only because they were printing money into oblivion with low interest rates and now as, as the as the market is being stripped um what do they say? Is that when the tide goes out, you see who swims naked? Yeah. Right. But those people are the people that need protection. Mm. Um, so I think those are the, probably the major barriers for a super cycle. But um, yeah. well, so also, uh, do you think people underestimate institutional money? And the reason why I ask this is because we've seen what J.P. Morgan has done to silver uh, <laughs> for a very long time. Yeah. Um, even all the WikiLeaks documents come out. There was no, mm. there's no surprise what was happening there. They've and also like with the De Beers, with the Diamonds, we've seen this happen a lot of times. Do you think people underestimate institutional money, whereas a lot of people are like, we can't wait for it to flow into the market because it's going to bring all this capital to the market and the capital flows. But at the same time, if, they, if that does happen, can they do the same to Bitcoin as they've mm. done? W what's your thoughts That's on good that? Good question. Um, again, when all the Bitcoin's been mined, why not? Mm. Because if you're still pricing it in dollar terms, if you've still got an unlimited amount of dollars, you have an unlimited amount of purchasing power up and down mm. or, you know, shorting or, or, or going long. So there is that possibility. But again, because of the regulatory problems we have at the moment, there is, I don't think, a, ish, a, a real issue of that. There are obviously larger funds, aka Citadels, um, mm. things like that, who, and Point72, I think, and things like that, you know, who obviously I, I believe obviously potentially caused the the lunar crash um, with with the antics they they got into it. But you know I think one thing I think people forget is that markets themselves essentially epitomise capitalism. They epitomise democracy because it's a free market. If you you know if you want to you know if you want to go long, you want to go short. You have the ability to do so. Um, with you know if you if you constrain that and you say you know these people aren't allowed to move this much capital into this market. You know, there's there's no difference between that and just having a, 
um, you know, a totalitarianism regime to a certain degree. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, from a from an institutional perspective, there could be, and there might very well be on a very small uh, aspect now, um, because you know I, I have to speak to some of the other traders in the, in, the, in the industry. You know, there's it's it's very easy to see where retail investors can get sucked into the market, aka forty two and a half k, thirty k, twenty k, and you know. Like I said, I think you know a lot of people, especially in crypto, is because they are not professional investors or not fund managers. Then they invest with their emotions and they think, okay, and that sounds ridiculous, right? But twenty you know, k is a round number, yeah. so it's got to hold up here. Yeah, and it's yeah. like that yeah. no, doesn't. Do you know what I mean? Like, no, so I think from an institutional perspective, from an actual longer term perspective, can they control it like they did? They have done in silver. Um, yes, mm. that's the short answer. As long as the money supply is always there. From a short-term perspective, because of the regulation and because of the problems that you really get, um, no, I don't think that. Um, but it's definitely something that, as as we've just said, if the super cycle happens in three, four cycles time, whatever, put, whatever figure people want to put on it, um, there's always that possibility because it's a public market, it's an open market. So, yeah. yeah. And, and at the end of the day, if you're the biggest player in the market and you can make and you can make money, what? Yeah. what Why wouldn't you? Right? That's what yeah. they do. So that's bread and butter, right? Yeah. Um, trillions of dollars are moved in the FX markets on a day-to-day -day oh. basis. So this this is this is like penny penny change. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's what people don't realize. Yeah, that's what people don't realize. I don't think people quite fathom <laughs> how much money is actually in the system. Yeah. Um, because the money you see in your bank accounts, you know, okay, fine, that's a you know X Y Z amount of trillions. But if you're then going to add and look at the treasury markets, FX markets, equities, you know, we're talking quadrillions of dollars yeah, in the system, like which. A lot of it is realistically unaccounted for because it's printed by the central banks, which then they buy their own treasury bills. It's, the amount of yeah. claims on all the different assets as well, you know, it's just inflated and it's just leverage, right? But leverage is what, you yeah. know, people's benefited from leverage for, for years and years and they, they've been happy they while they've seen the house prices <clears> go up. So eventually the can can't be kicked down the road anymore and, and well, it lands on... Well, I'm not until, you make <laughs> up a, and until you make up this new product... Which they this new yeah. strategy. We're going to see it in the eurozone at the moment. We're going to we're waiting for obviously the anti-fragmentation tool mm. that the ECB. I was I was actually abroad when when I heard that news, you know. And you just, and you just think <laughs> a new tool. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, what does that what does that consist of? You know. Yeah. And I and I think, um, you know. <sighs> Let's just kick the can down again. Yes. Yeah, because, no one's at the because them. from a political standpoint, yeah. you can't be the chairman of the central bank. You can't be the prime minister or president when we see an absolute catastrophic no. because then that is your tarnish yeah, you, no were, you were the man who let this system fail and that can't happen to anyone yeah, nobody wants that no one wants that so yeah. i'm gonna finish on a bit of fun right okay i'm gonna name a few names okay and in as short as possible you can sentence or a few words you've got to pick pick the words of choice okay Oh, we want my describing personality here. I want my, just whatever. Just, just what you think of the, the person's name. Okay. I say. <laughs> right, you ready? Yeah. Duquan from Terror. Uh, Bernie Madoff. <laughs> Good start. <laughs> Bit boy. Same. <laughs> Ray Dalio. Icon. Raul Pal. Hype man. Plan B. I 
just having to diverge here. Very interesting. This is this is the what I was talking about earlier about people that can't let their own strategies go. So I'm going to say he holds on to he's he's has a serious case of hopium on his on his plan B. So yeah. Okay. Well, that was the last one. So okay. Cool. Okay. Well, look, it was um obviously really uh, really appreciate you coming down. I could have talked for hours. There's so many more things yeah, I want to talk sure, about. So sure. we'll have to do. Um, this again at some point. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, but, absolutely. But definitely, yeah, like I said, um, it's, uh, it's been good to see, you know, you grow the fund and looking forward to seeing, um, you know, where it is over the next five or 10 years as well. And, you know, yeah, to, you know, it's, it's good to see sort of a young hedge fund CEO really drive, um, especially like a market that um, I think needs someone younger driving it. So, yeah. I Thank you. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. It's because it's uh, sometimes, and I'm sure your younger audience can appreciate this, you sometimes get written off I, being I younger. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, you let your performance speak for itself. And I think over the next five, ten years, I think we'll still be a, we'll still be in the game. We'll still be a big player, and we'll have multiple different things uh, available to us. So, but yeah, thanks for having me. It's been, awesome. it's been great.